0: Thanks for joining us for the Minor Tweak Major Impact podcast. We're excited to have Dr. Munching Li as the guest for today's episode. Li is a biologist and has founded a company to automate biological experiments during her PhD research. She was part of a multi-award-winning iGym team during her undergrads, which competed at MIT. She's now running an early cancer detection company called Amaris Bio. Lee, I would like to welcome you to the Minor Tweak, Major Impact podcast. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be on here. Lee, we have already heard a brief introduction about you, but can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you're currently working on? I'm a biologist by training I completed
1: my PhD in pharmacology specifically working on the subject of potassium channels in pulmonary hypertension so during my PhD I get to play with this technique called electrophysiology where I poke these little cells with a super tiny glass tip to study the ion channels that are on the cell membrane and during that time I have also co-founded my first company it's a company to automate biology experiments uh, particularly the immunostaining experiment and prior to that I was doing in bio- technology in Edinburgh, and the fun fact is I chose Edinburgh University because of Dolly, the first clone sheep in the world, which was cloned there, and when I was doing my undergrad, I was also part of the iJump team, yep, so that's all about me.
0: During all your time in the lab, did you ever experience a minor tweak, major impact moment?
1: Wow, there are so many of them. You know, it's funny because sometimes we even call these minor tweaks a superstition because it's always the knowledge that is passed down by your supervisor or postdocs. That's because uh, the reagents and the kits that we use are so expensive. Or it could be the samples that we are handling, they are so precious, meaning like we only have one sample to process and like we don't have sample and then we can afford to run a control. That's why we just always include these minor tweaks in the experiment. One of my favorite tweaks is reintroducing the lysate from the DNA purification kit several times to the membrane filter. Actually more times than what's on the manual so that like to make sure that I don't lose the sample, making sure that it's properly trapped in the membrane. Yeah, so that's uh, the minor tweak that I can remember
0: you already mentioned earlier that during your PhD research, you founded a company to automate biological experiments for immunostaining. Can you please tell us a little bit more about that and really where did the idea for that come from?
1: Yeah, so if you have ever run an immunostaining procedure before, you would know that it's a very lengthy process and also It involves a lot of steps and all these steps require really fine and precise handling. So the process is very prone to human errors. And also the thing is that the samples that we are handling are quite precious. For example, I was actually handling tissues from mice. So preferably like every staining experiment should be successful. So meaning when we stain it with the antibody, we should see the protein expression when we check the slides on the microscope. Otherwise, like the whole week would be wasted so i realized one day when i was sitting at a bench i was thinking wouldn't it be better if we could just automate this whole procedure because it mainly involves moving small amount of liquid from one place to another and also flipping the sides and that automation would potentially take out the human error factor and also it's funny that sometimes the experiments work in the hands of someone but it doesn't work in the hand of another person so i was just thinking like automation would solve this problem yeah so uh, together with a team we have combined our expertise in hardware and also in software and also in machine learning to come together and form uh, our and we made a prototype first to move the liquids around
0: automation of biological experiments we see coming more and more. How do you see this is impacting research as we know it today?
1: You being part of protocols.io, I'm sure you know that there is a huge issue of non-reproducibility in science right now. And I think automation is a great way to solve this problem. And the reason I say could is because there are still a lot of protocols which are really hard to automate at the moment. There are things like, you know, handling glass lights and I have also heard of very, very complex experiments where automating is just not possible right now. So automating simple things like liquid handling would be great and also would cut down errors, particularly if you are running a quantitative PCR experiment where you are pipetting different reagents into 96 wells. And if you are pipetting manually, you might make mistakes. That's because like most liquids that you are handling are transparent. You do not know like what you have pipetted into which well. Another way that automation could have an impact in research is that it will allow a high-throughput research, meaning when you have a robot to automate simple things, um, it will just allow the scientists to walk away and do something maybe of high value, such as um, analyzing results or even designing the next experiment uh, without worrying them having to make the mistakes while they are doing the experiment. And also, you know, if actually they make a mistake in the experiment, they might actually need to repeat it. And sometimes you wouldn't even know at which step you made a mistake and you have the result at the end of the day. So I, I would say like automation could save a lot of time and potentially also saving a lot of costs if you don't have to repeat the failed experiment and
0: We already talked about this, but when we're talking about factors that decrease reproducibility, human errors are always mentioned and they do play a Mm -hmm. big role because reagent spills, maybe there's like a contamination, steps of protocols might not be understood correctly from people and then therefore they're not executed in the right way. Or it's just maybe because somebody's holding a pipette in a different angle than somebody else. That could be a big role. But so with automation, to a really far degree, we can eliminate those human factors. But what are some other challenges that we could face instead when automating experiments?
1: That's a great comment about automation removing most of the human errors. I doubt that it would be able to remove like all the human errors. So we have to remember, even if you have perfect execution of the experiment, sometimes a good design of the experiment is, it could be more crucial. So I always see it as like both design and the execution of the experiments go hand in hand. Sometimes we cannot take into account all the factors, uh, all the variables when designing the experiment. So you will still need to run the experiment with very limited information anyway. And hopefully the information or the results that you get from the first experiment will be fed back into the design of the future experiment. So there is still uh, the challenge.
0: How do you think the protocols will look different if the method is partly automated? Do you think there will be also room for testing out new things or will that be more difficult or how will we share the experiment, the protocol set up with others, for example?
1: That's a great question, actually. As I said, in an experiment, there are so many variables that could affect the experiment and sometimes there are variables that we didn't think that would affect the result, but it does. By having automation, it allows scientists to better track the things that they have tweaked in an experiment and also now there are solutions which allow scientists to better document what is it that they have tweaked so that like when other scientists try to replicate the experiments they they could replicate it the same way as the, the scientists before. Yeah so protocols will change in a way that will allow scientists to re-replicate the experiment and get more results at the end.
0: I already mentioned in the beginning, but right now you're running an early cancer detection company. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is about and what your goals with that are?
1: Yeah, definitely with pleasure. So, cancer detection is a very challenging problem. So, we have decided to to do this because it's such a complex thing to do. For example, a patient who have a a scan and the doctor sees a lump, that lump might need to be removed surgically to be tested to see whether it's cancer or not. But sometimes this lump could also be not dangerous. And then like it's actually putting more risk on the patients in order to have this surgical removal. So recently, uh, scientists have suspected that instead of looking for this lump and subject these patients to such risky surgical procedures, they could actually look at signals in the blood instead. So this discovery is actually a very big step forward, but looking at these signals in the blood is still challenging because it requires special instruments and the assay is quite complex to run and the analysis requires expertise. So what we are doing at Amherst is to create a point of care device, which would allow doctors to tell if someone has a mutation on the spot instead of like running these complex assay and wait two weeks for the results. And these assays also cost like a few thousand dollars. And so what we are trying to do is we are trying to bring the cost of cancer detection down and also to, to speed up the process.
0: Very cool. My last question, as always, is what is your favorite lab tool and why? I think the question would have been easier if you asked me, like, what is which is the lab tool that you hate
1: the most. <laughs> but um, if I have to pick a favorite lab tool, I think it has to be the pipet gun, because it's so cool that it you can pipette really large amount of liquid and you can see things moving up and down. So um, it's, I think it's more fun than just pipetting a small volume of liquid.
0: <laughs> Lee, if our listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to get connected with you?
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. Happy to be connected via LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn. And um, the name of my company is Amaris Bio. You can also sign up for newsletter on our website, which is www.amarisbio, which is spelled A-M-E-R-Y-Z and then bio.com.
0: Great. Lee, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your insights and story on the Minor Tweak, Major Impact podcast.
1: Thank you for your time and thank you for the questions.
0: This is your host, Anita, and we look forward to being with you for the next episode.